And I was curious. And I said, Vel, will you tell me a little bit more about that? And so she wrote to me, and I'm I'm just going to read part of what she wrote to me. She said this, I went to an all-girls private school, which was awesome, but unfortunately also shaped my thinking very much to be that women can achieve anything and be so much more than just a mum. So my life through high school, uni, and working was very much anti-stay-at-home mum. I honestly thought women who stayed at home had no ambition, or probably only did it because their husbands made them, and they had no backbone to stand up for themselves because of their culture and personal situation. After getting married, I still viewed kids pretty negatively. My biggest thing was that I thought kids would be a huge inconvenience, and they are, to travel and to life. My husband always wanted kids, and so we really only started trying because biologically I thought we should when I turned 30. My plan was to have two kids and go straight back to work. I actually wanted twins to get it out of the way in one go. And I thought, I have no idea how to be a mum, so why not leave it to people who are professionally trained to do so? At least in daycare, the kids are looked after by people who want to be there and people who are well-trained to do so, much better than me, who's totally unqualified for the job. When we fell pregnant, I read Psalm 128 and some other verses in the Bible, which really confused me. I couldn't understand why the Bible and God saw children as a blessing, as a gift. To me, I could only see them as a hassle. I tried to understand why God saw them as a blessing, but I just couldn't. And so I came to realize that my view on kids must be so, so wrong and so worldly and selfish if I couldn't even fathom how they could be a blessing. Well, this is uh, Mother's Day, and Mother's Day sermons are hard sermons for me to preach. Uh, I am not a mum. I'm married to a mum. I've got a mum, but I'm not a mum. You're not all mums. And I definitely don't pretend I know everything or even close to everything I need to know about motherhood and the struggles of motherhood. And anytime we preach or teach on motherhood, there's a potential for a whole bunch of pain and fear and, let's admit, guilt in the hearts of those who listen. There's going to be pain because on Mother's Day, maybe you realize how much you miss your mum or your grandmothers because you've lost them. Or maybe it's from broken relationships Uh, Maybe you don't feel like you had a really good mum. Maybe your mum was even abusive. That's painful, isn't it? There's also pain if you're not a mum, but you want to be, but maybe you're single, or maybe you can't have children. And then, of course, there's guilt. Mum guilt is a real thing, and mums feel it acutely almost all the time. Uh, Our eldest is now 20 this year, but I can tell you that Karen still feels mum guilt acutely almost all the time. Because mums, I know, you're all trying your best, aren't you? And your consciences are quite tender. Any sermon on motherhood could get you feeling like you didn't do a good enough job. You fear that you're screwing up your kid's future. You fear that you're failing your responsibilities. And it gets worse when you look around you and compare yourself to other mums. So there are heaps of difficulties with a sermon on motherhood. But in spite of that, I want us to spend a little bit of time seeing motherhood in the way that the Bible sees it. And I'm so glad that Jeanette asked the question about what worship looks like for Becky and for Amy. Because actually, you know how the Bible sees motherhood? As worship. Right? Motherhood is a special calling. Mothers are to see how high a calling and this task is. How incredible and a wonderful privilege it is. How it really is not just one part of their worship, it actually is their worship. And so that's why even if you're not a mom, even if you're not a woman, 
Given that we all have mums and we all know mums, it's important for us to hear this word. You see, the church, God's household, we are to honour and support mums in whatever way that we can. And so we all have a role to play in this. Uh, Amy's already prayed, so I won't pray again. Let's have a look at God's word. So I've got a few points for you. Um, Let's start. Have you got my outline? We're going to start with uh, the idea of 24-7 worship. Um, You see, worship, because of Jesus, and we'll actually come back to Hebrews soon, but you'll see that Jesus made such a big difference to worship that we no longer do it in the Old Covenant, Old Testament Jewish sort of way. Everything has changed. And the big thing that's changed, we read uh, earlier in the passage, or Becky read it for us, is Romans chapter 12. You see what it says there? It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see what it's saying? It's saying worship is not just when you come to church on a Sunday between 11 o'clock and 12.30. Worship is every day. It's a daily living thing. Worship is gathered. We are worshiping here, of course. But it's also scattered when you go to your homes, when you go to your workplaces. It's what you do Monday to Saturday, not just on a Sunday. And so we are to worship God Serve God, honor God, give God glory whenever and where, sorry, whenever and wherever we are called to serve Him. And, and the special word that um, is used for this is vocation. Now, we often think of vocation as your job or your career, but that's not actually the meaning of the word, especially as it was used in a really crucial time. The word means calling, right? Vocation was the, the kind of Latin behind it with voice and, you know. Um, It's a Christian idea that came out of the Protestant Reformation. It's saying that whatever you do in life as a Christian is a calling from God, you see? Because before the Protestant Reformation, they thought that only priests or pastors or um, holy special saints had a special calling from God. And actually, that's not the view of the Bible, right? We all have been called by God. All Christians are called. We all are called, firstly, to be followers of Jesus and then to be sons and daughters of God. (laughs) But also, we're called to be sons and daughters of our parents. We're called to be husbands and wives, or single people, or we're called to be fathers and mothers, or uncles and aunties, or friends, or workers. That's Whatever it is, it's all part of our calling, you see. It's not just your career. It's not just your job. Everything that we are, everything we do, all the roles we play in life, that is our calling and is pleasing to God. It is an act of worship. Okay, that is a really important concept. And so you mums need to know that as mums, God has a special plan, a special calling just for you. I want to go back all the way to Genesis. You don't have to turn to it, but in Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of the Bible, God created human beings to fill the world and subdue it. Right, And this was and still constitutes what worship means for human beings. Right? We are to act as God's vice regents in this world. We are to act um, in the place of God over the creation He's given us to rule over. Now in Genesis 2, we see that this is impossible without the woman. God created Adam and Eve. God didn't create Adam and Steve. I mean, Steve Coe is pretty helpful, but... Steve may have been better at helping Adam with the gardening, but only with Adam and Eve, man and woman, particularly in marriage, could there be 
a human race that would reproduce and fill the earth and subdue it. And so procreation in the context of marriage, having kids, raising them up to be little image bearers of God, that was actually key to God's plan. In other words, motherhood is key to God's plans for the world. But of course, enter sin. Genesis chapter 3, the world is messed up. And God enacts a rescue plan. And not surprisingly, the rescue plan also involves mothers. And a key verse, what they call the proto-gospel, all right? The proto-evangelion. Genesis 3.15, God, as he curses humanity and the serpent for sinning, he actually puts in a promise there, the, the, the first glimmer of the good news. And he says that Eve would become the mother of the serpent crusher, the one who would destroy Satan. You see what it's saying? Through childbirth, there would be a savior. And that's we know, is Jesus. No motherhood, no savior of the world. 1 Timothy 2.15 says, women will be saved through childbearing. And I think it's pointing to that. But more widely than that, God doesn't just want women to... He also wants godly offspring, he says in Malachi 2.15. See, what God wants is to do now through his people, and what we mean here is through his people, through Christians, is he wants the world to be subdued and filled once again as he designed it to be. Right? His people would enact his rescue plan. Now, this happens by new birth. When people become Christians, are born again, given the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus, they become his godly offspring. But it also happens by natural birth. Christians raising up children who, in God's grace, are born again and used by God to reflect his purposes as families. As families become salt and light to a broken world around them, godly families, that also furthers God's plan. Again, the point is motherhood is key to God's purposes. Which, coming back to what I said right at the beginning, you see motherhood itself is an act of worship. Now, you might also have a job or a career as a nurse or a teacher or an accountant or even a CEO, whatever it is you do. But nothing is as important to God and as worshipful if you are a mother then you're calling to be a mother. All right, I've just laid the foundation. Let's, though, look at some myths and misconceptions about motherhood. Firstly, and you might be thinking, oh, I'm just a mum. And maybe you feel that particularly because you're used to, you know, do great things in your career and you used to be out of the home and you used to be able to achieve really achievable things. And sometimes as a mum, you know, you heard from Becky, you heard from Amy, sometimes it just feels like rinse, repeat, right? I'm just a mum. There are several problems with that way of thinking. Firstly is this. Your identity ultimately is not as a mum. Your most important identity is as a child of God. You're valued not because of the role you play as a mum, good or bad, or somewhere in between. You're valuable because God chose you and loved you and gave his son to die for you, for you. And not because you're good, not because you'll contribute more as a person, or not because of how you're tracking as a wife or mother. You're loved just because he loves you. Right? He loves you just because. And this is true whether you're male or female, married or single. Your identity as a child of God comes from God. And so you're never to think of yourself primarily as a mum or a dad or whatever it is. That doesn't define you. 
All right? And then secondly, you're not just a mum because remember, motherhood is an act of worship. So there's no just about worship, is there? Like worship is what we've been created to do. Worship is giving God the honor that he is due. Worship is glorifying God. It's actually a momentous, wonderful thing. Do you know that 24-7 angels are doing the very thing in heaven and have been doing for billions of years? All right, so saying I'm just a mom is saying I'm just a worshiper. Well, there's no just about being a worshiper of God when your God is the king of the universe and you're doing it out of joy and gratitude for your heart. There's no just about it, is there? Even if it feels like rinse, repeat, there's no just about your worship. And thirdly, you're not just a mom because you're leaving a legacy. Here's the thing. As a mom, you've got to remember, your children aren't yours. Ultimately, they're not. They're God's. And so you think long-term, right? Think long-term. You can, through your raising of your children, and this goes with fathers as well, so dads listen up, you can change the world for the glory of God. All right? Um, They did a study uh, of five generations from two men who lived around the same time. One of them was Max Jukes. He was an atheist. He lived a godless life. He married a godless girl. And from the union, five generations later, there were 310 who died as beggars, 150 were criminals, seven were murderers, 100 were drunkards, more than half the women were prostitutes. His 540 descendants cost the state one and a quarter million dollars. And then they did a study of Jonathan Edwards, who uh, was a preacher, theologian, pastor, lived the same time as Max Jukes. He married a godly girl. And uh, they looked at his 1,394 known descendants five generations later. 13 became college professors. 65, sorry, 13 became college presidents. 65 became college professors. Three United States senators, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 doctors, 75 army and naval officers, 100 preachers and missionaries, 60 authors of prominence. One became a vice president of the United States. 80 became public officials in other capacities. 295 college graduates, among whom were governors of states and ministers to foreign countries. His descendants made a huge contribution to the state and did not cost the state a single penny. Guys, um, there's no just a mum or just a dad to that, right? You're raising not just your children, but laying the foundations for generations to come. Who knows what God could do about it? I think when someone says, I'm just a mum, it's a little bit like when I hear Sunday school teachers say, oh, I'm just a Sunday school teacher. I heard it once said, if, if someone says, I'm just a Sunday school teacher, they probably shouldn't be teaching Sunday school. There's almost no more important ministry at church than those who teach our kids about Jesus, is there? There's no just about it. Okay, that's just the first myth. I'll go quicker for the other one. Second one, I need to have a career to have an identity. All right, I need to have a career. Well, remember, your identity is neither from being a mum nor from having a career. No matter how successful you've been or you are, your identity is a child of God who God loves, and who loves God, who serves Him and worships Him. Uh, You don't need to be in paid, full-time work with career advancement to have an identity, right? Believe it or not, all mums work, and you work hard. You don't get paid for it, but you're working hard, aren't you? Because being a mum is a full-time job. It is the most, by the way, the most Christ-like kind of work, right? All sacrifice, with no pay, 
That's what Jesus did. If you ever read Proverbs 31, the famous chapter about a woman of great worth, the final chapter of Proverbs, the wife is very busy, very busy. Okay, She works both in and out of the home, some for pay, some not for pay. But the point is, whatever she's doing is for the glory and honor of God because she's fulfilling her calling to be a wife and a mother. So I read to, to you my uh, friend's Vel's uh, a testimony, her account of you know, what she felt going into motherhood. Well, it's not the end of the story. Let me keep reading. She said, so I just prayed lots and lots. I prayed that God would change me and change my point of view that he would help me see kids as a blessing. And all I can say is that he has. I really do now see kids as a huge blessing from God. They're so incredibly precious and adorable. I just love my two kids so much, and I can't imagine how stupid I was to not want them. The decision to stay home full-time is a hard one, though. I do it, so she did it for a season. Because I love being at home with my kids. I really do love it. It's so tiring and unrelenting most days, but they're so much fun. And I just think that the time from now until they go to school is so short, so I may as well be with them as much as I can. Now, I don't think that being at home full-time is the right decision for everyone. So please, mums, don't feel guilty about that. She's not saying that. I can't really explain why I do it. Also, she says they're lucky enough that her husband earns good enough money so they can afford not to work. She can afford not to work. And also because I delayed having kids a few years, I'm at the stage in my career where I can find reasonable part-time work, a good pay if I really wanted to. But also, I do think for me, career as a priority and importance has just dropped away. It's not that I don't care about it, but I think there is a season in life for everything, a season to advance your career, a season for family, and right now the season for me is to look after the kids. I can't give all my reasons for being a full-time home, at-home mum, but I do believe through prayer, God has changed me. He has changed me from being someone who couldn't fathom why kids could be a blessing to being someone who now sees kids as a huge blessing and treasure from the Lord. Third myth, my children come first. You see, the opposite of a career mum or career woman is actually just as bad, which is what we call the idolatry of children. That is, you don't find your identity in your career, but you use children as a means to find your identity and reason for living. Um, I don't know if you remember well, a while ago, there was a, a mom who was famous. She was called Octomum. She had 14 kids. Her name was Nadia Suleiman. And the reason why she had 14 kids, she admitted in an interview, is because she felt lonely as a child. And so she wanted her kids to have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of siblings. But also for her, she needed to have lots and lots and lots of kids. Which is kind of a weird reason, isn't it? I mean, nothing wrong with having 14 kids. But it's because she felt lonely. She needed to have children. Uh, See, in the Bible, it doesn't... Your children don't come first, by the way. It's very tempting to think in this season of life where they do suck all of your attention, especially if they're young, that they come first. But the Bible says, nah Right? God comes first. Your husband, if you're married, comes second. Children come third. (laughs) Which actually also means that 
your marriage matters more than your children as well. And that's really important to remember in a season of life when it's very easy to neglect your marriage. All right? That your husband's, your marriage actually come before your children. Remember, you are just a steward. Your kids will grow up. They will leave home one day. You're raising adults. You're not raising children who are going to stay children. You're raising adults. All right? And so that's just a season. But you have God first, your marriage second, and your children come third. Uh, How about the last one? It's definitely the case with my friend Vel. Just don't feel very motherly. And maybe you look around, you think, I'm not one of those women who, you know, goes all um, clucky when I see babies. I actually get a little bit freaked out. The last thing I want to do is, you know. Well, that's definitely the case with some, for sure. And that's okay. And women are not just different to men. Women are also different to each other. There's no one way of being motherly, Okay. Um, but also, the other thing is, um, and definitely our experience when we talk to mums who, prior to having kids, really just like, oh, just, I know I have to do, I, I should, and I know God wants me to, I'll just do it, I don't really feel very motherly. It's, it's something happens, they, they have kids, and then all of a sudden, not all of them, but most of them, actually, the hormones kick in, the instincts kick in, God has made you certain ways, and it just sort of happens. You don't necessarily be motherly like everyone else is, but it sort of comes sometimes as a surprise to yourself just how motherly you can be in your own way. So there's that. But even if it doesn't happen automatically, even if for you the hormones don't kick in or whatever, you know, if God has called you to motherhood, it's a vocation, then he will give you the grace and the power to do what pleases him in that situation, all right? All right, how about for the rest of us, and I'll finish here. Um, Okay, because we're not all mums. The first thing is, Please give thanks for your mums. This is the most thankless job in the universe. Uh, we only celebrate it once a year, which is a real pity. Uh, give thanks for your mums. Um, pray for the mums in our church. Uh, there is a lot of, yeah, as I said, mum guilt that goes around. It's hard. It's confusing. Um, mums mostly feel quite a lot of inadequacy. Um, don't judge a mum just because she works full-time or she doesn't work full-time. You know, sometimes in church it goes both ways. There's some churches where if you don't go back to work, you feel like you're not being useful. There's some churches where you go back to work and put your kids in daycare, you feel really guilty because, you know, everyone looks at you funny. Well, don't judge them. Understand their situations are unique. Pray for them. and uh, Don't play the comparison game. Um, mums, don't play the comparison game yourselves. That's probably the most important. Um, thirdly, serve and help those who are mums. Right, there's all the ways that we can offer to help them. Um, if, you're not, if you're single or you're married without kids, um, things like cooking meals for them, babysitting, helping with our playgroup. We have it on Friday mornings. Um, being part of our creche or Sunday school ministry. All of that can be really, really super helpful as a way to serve mums. Uh, number four, honor motherhood. We want to be a community right, that honors motherhood in what we say and do. Um, and by the way, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a man and you're single uh, and you're praying that God would maybe uh, find you a girl to marry or a woman to marry, um, look for someone who will be not just a wife, but someone who you can have kids with, okay? I mean, not first date, all right? Don't say I'm going out with you because I can see four children in your eyes or whatever, 
But um, what I'm saying is this. Um, don't go for all the things that our world values, which is very here and now, very um, exterior, appearance-based, very superficial. Um, look for godly women who will not just make godly wives, but also godly mums. Um, because remember, the bigger goal is that you want to leave a legacy for Jesus. Um, think not just one generation, but five generations down. All right, so men, have a think about that, if that is part of your calling. Um, and then, of course, if you are married, uh, you're a husband, and especially if you're a father, um, love your wives, serve your wives. Um, one of the worst things that can happen in uh, families of young children is gastro, <laughs> you know, with the vomiting bug. And when mom gets gastro, it's all over. Right, so if she holds out and everyone else is gastro, somehow the household holds together. Once mum gets gastro, it's like everything collapses. Because that's actually the case. The mums, the wives, um, they tend to hold the household together. Now, husbands and fathers, we can really help, can't we? Um, they all struggle to find time to pray, to read the Bible. What can you do? Just give her 20 minutes. Just say, hey, for the next 20 minutes, half an hour, why don't you go and... Find a quiet spot and read the Bible. I'll take care of the crazy kids. <laughs> I'll clean up. I'll, you know, that is invaluable. And also, men, uh, if you're a father, you take responsibility for your children. Um, do you know what? The, the Bible ultimately, God will ultimately call you to account for your children. All right? Not primarily her. <laughs> He'll call you to account. Um, and so it actually is on you to do your best as the God-appointed servant and leader of your household to make sure that her job is easy. Make it a joy, not a burden. And definitely don't be that extra kid that she has to look after. Okay. All right, we're going to pray, and then uh, we're going to sing, and uh, let's pray. Father God, we pray for mums, and we pray that those here today who really need to hear a special word from you, um, because they feel discouraged, they feel guilty, they feel struggle, they feel tired, might see the greater calling, and that is it is an act of worship. It really is that you are pleased and glorified by the changing of nappies, by the school pickups and drop-offs, by the rinse and repeat type life that mums sometimes feel, that that actually glorifies you, that is actually worship. So we pray that as a community we may really value that, we pray that mums may see their significance because they are loved by you. And we pray that generations ahead, whether we're single, we're married, that we might see through this church, family, and community, the world changed because of godly offspring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.